Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back. Another great episode because today's guests, I love talking with couples who are living, breathing, doing everything together, including real estate investing. And that is definitely the case with this good looking couple, Jasmine Bethena and her lovely partner, Harish Shanglani. So guys, welcome to the call. And Harish, how did I do with the last name there? Perfect. <laughs> okay. Appreciate it. So these guys, if, if, you, if you don't know about them, uh, got started, I believe, in 2019. So not a heck of a long time ago. We're 2023 as, as we record this. And they've built up a pretty significant portfolio of, I believe, somewhere around 45 rental units at, uh, at present time. And they're getting more into multifamily investing. But what also I find interesting is that they are doing private lending as the lenders themselves, the, the private money lenders, the hard money lenders, whatever you want to call it. That's what these guys are doing. So you guys, great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. It's Thank really you. great being here. Yeah. Hey, so what got you to this whole world of real estate investing? What inspired you? What sparked you? What kicked you in the butt? What made you take action and start buying properties? So it's, it's, it's a bit of a story I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. So I came to Canada as an international student at McGill and I was working, uh, you know, two jobs while I was doing my PhD at McGill. And then I was- I, I'll, I'll give you a time out right there, Jasmine. All no, right. no, most people cannot relate to that because you're one of those brainiacs. If you're getting, you know, <laughs> getting your PhD at McGill is not something most of us can relate to. But anyhow, sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no worries. Well, anyway, my point is I came in as an international student and I was doing two jobs um, working uh, while I was doing my graduate studies at McGill. Yeah. And I recall at one point um, when I was speaking with my dad and his friend who lived there in Montreal uh, about, you know, buying a property as a student and um, living there while renting out other rooms uh, yeah. so as to help pay, um, you know, my way through university. And uh, we did a lot of talking about it, but I kind of chickened out. There was that fear, am I going to be able to manage this? I'm in a new country. I know nothing about nothing. Um, so I kind of thought about it, heard it. My dad and I thought it was a really great idea. And then we decided not to do it. Okay. Flash forward another couple of years. And then I moved to Ottawa with the nine to five job. And um, yeah, kind of got to the point where we were like, you know, married, getting a child out of the way. And we were like, okay, it's time to buy our first property, you know, um, get into a, a house with a backyard, get out of our tiny apartment there. Yeah. Um, and we we went for it uh, as our primary residence. But then life got in the way and then everything was like, oh, we're in this nine to five job. There's got to be, you know, there's got to be more to life than just this. Mm -hmm. um, and we started looking at things and then it kind of harked back to my experience uh, in Montreal about, hey, what if we get into, you know, buying a rental and, and seeing if you can go out. And I've learned about sort of purchasing property, whether it be land for development, commercial multifamily or uh, single home rentals uh, from my dad. He's he's very much into real estate back home. And um, sorry, sorry, things. where is back home? Where where is back home originally? So it's a bit of an interesting story because um, 
ethnically, I am from uh, the the Middle Eastern region around Iran. Mm -hmm. uh, however, we grew up in Oman, the Sultanate of Oman, which is this country on the uh, near the Persian Gulf across from Iran. Yeah. Um, but then my parents uh, were born and brought up in India. So uh, wow. yeah, that... it, it's been it's been a, a bit around the world. But so. where where was your dad doing most of his real estate investing? Mostly in India. Okay, interesting. Okay, yeah. so you had so, the concept from India. Here you yeah, are in in so, Canada. Was exactly. he? Did he start investing here too? Because it sounds like they immigrated. Yes, yes he did. My dad moved here um, and purchased his rental property here as well. So yeah. I've, I've sort of learned those lessons out of me, if you will, yeah. uh, about how it can help uh, people set up their retirement portfolios and provide some good cash flow as they go along, right? And right. my dad made good use of that. So those lessons kind of sank in. So when we came here and we were like, okay, maybe that's this is a great you know, side hustle to get into while we do our nine to fives. Um, so we just kind of went in, we bought our first rental property, we were okay with it, then we were able to put together some uh, bit more of a down payment, we were like, oh, let's grab a second rental property. So we went and did that. Um, and then as we went along, we were just like, okay, now we've kind of done all we can from our end, we, we really need some some more in-depth information if we want to like scale and, you know, get bigger. Oh, so this is all, all without getting any real education. Is that? That's right. Okay. It's just what I knew, what my dad could contribute. Yep. Well, yeah, you learned from your father. For went sure. that way. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we, we were like, okay, we, we, we don't know everything and we won't know anything until we actually go out and talk to someone. Uh, so we actually teamed up with our mentor and he was able to, you know, give us, the low blow, we were able to go through a million classes with him and really prepped um, to get into the field and like a hundred thousand thanks and shout out to my mentor Brock Frost there. Um, and he was able to give us all this information, help us and uh, yeah, we, we took it and we ran with it literally. Uh, so now, as you mentioned earlier, we own a portfolio of 40 plus doors. These are properties that are owned solely and or in partnership with investors uh, throughout Ontario and Alberta. Um, and yeah, we're basically looking to grow and give our kids more options than we had when we started. But there's one part that Jasmine forgot to mention. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to get a word in there, Harry? <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. So the, the main part that you forgot to mention was our struggle with taking that step to actually buy that first property. We were sitting yeah. in a rental, both of us on jobs. I was in a retail job, not much of a pay. And we we're like, okay. Let's save a little bit more, then we'll get it. Let's keep saving a little bit more. Until one of our friends actually said, you know what, now, just get up and do it. Yeah. And yeah. that's always been the struggle, even with the next rental and everything. It's like, oh, should we buy now? Should we wait? And every time they're asking, no, you just do it now. <laughs> well, that's great. Hey, you know, one of, the, one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys is, you know, as a couple you know, with your lives, with your work, because I think you're both, you're both working, you've got good jobs, you're still, still, still doing that, you've got a family, and you're doing the real estate investing. What have you found to be like, a key to your success for staying friendly throughout this whole process? Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of couples really have a challenge working together and, and investing together. What, what would you say are some of your keys to success with doing that? 
Well, the challenges are there. <laughs> the challenges are always there. Yeah, for sure. So, so do you kind of have distinct roles like Harish, your, your primary responsibilities are these and Jasmine, your primary responsibilities are these because 45 units, you know, even if you got some property management going on there, there's still stuff to, to, to do. It is. I mean, we, we relate very well to each other. We kind of know each other's strengths and weaknesses. So um, I like to think that we complement each other the yeah. way we work. So Harish is all about meeting the people. He's the, he's the people's face of, of Jasmine and Harish. And he's, he's the talker, the extrovert. He's which, the which, which sounds strange right now because she's doing most of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the people's person. He is the finance guy. He is the guy who, um, like he's had experience with his own businesses. And, um, you know, he, he's, uh, he's got a background in HR. So he brings all those soft skills to the table. Well, finance uh, to- is a hard skill that that that's that's well yes um so there's that and he sort of handles the private lending part of what we do uh he's that's his sort of area of expertise i'm sort of the um number cruncher in chief and you know looking at the excel sheet all the research all the properties that's me so we also you're more the finance you're more the, the the number cruncher of the two of you we Jasmine? yes, in theory, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I I love my Excel sheets, yeah. but he's the one who's more spontaneous with numbers. Okay. So I, I think it kind of works really well because we, like yeah. I said, we complement each other in in where we're weak. And um, yeah, we basically look at properties. I mean, we we kind of have a touch base every week at the end of the week, saying this is what I did this week. This is what mm. you did this week. Where are we? Where are we going now? What's our, you know, strategy for the next week? Like, are we yeah. going to talk to 10 more people? Are we going to have a presentation? Are we going to do a lot of different things? Um, so, yeah, we work around it. And then I'm sort of the one who's attending a lot of these webinars and interacting with people on social media. So we we do it all together. We do it under our company, uh, Kivera. That's Q-U-V-E-R-A, Kivera. And um, yeah, it's it's us. It's both of us uh, doing what we do best. Yeah, that's really good. That's I, I always well, enjoy asking people. Like, about the success part of things, uh, I think a very important part, which wasn't happening before, is now we have a conversation at the end of the week. Okay, mm-hmm. what did we do this week? Yeah. Was it a productive week? Did we talk to anyone? Did we do anything? Mm-hmm. And I feel that was that's like a very big factor there. Yeah, it keeps yeah. us accountable to each other, right? So yeah, especially if you've got defined parameters of what a good week looks like. Like what if if each one of you knows what your lane is that you're supposed to be doing, and you've got targets for what's supposed to have happened, and then it's easy to to kind of measure and compare track things right that that which is which is tracked and measured improves right so that's that that's what it's all about um it's interesting i've been talking with a a number of real estate investor couples over the last few weeks and and one of uh what what some some friends i've known for years who've been investing now for since they've been together and investing together since 1986 i believe so it's a long time. And I asked them what the key to their success was because not only that, but they work together. Like they've got their own business. They work together. They invest together, live together, have their 
kid together. I mean, everything is two, four, seven. So how do you guys, and they like each other. <laughs> That's how do you guys do this? Right. And they said, we got their organs. We got our three C's to success. What is that? Say so communication, right? So you guys touched on that, right? We communicate and we really make sure we try to follow the don't go to bed mad idea. We try to talk it out before it gets the, okay, good. That's great. Um, commitment, commitment. I said, okay, what does commitment mean to you? That means we're both going towards the same goal. We've got that same target that we're shooting for. So we're on the same page there. Awesome. And the third one, which I found very interesting is compromise. And I said, what does compromise mean? And they said, well, you know what? There are certain times when I can't get my way and the other person can't get their way. And we just got to figure out a way that kind of works for both of us. We might not be thrilled about it, but it's workable, right? So it's not win or lose all the time. Sometimes it's that middle ground. And I've always kind of, especially after my divorce, I always kept that in mind, you know, for, for relationships. So again, it works with any kind of relationship, but does that resonate with you guys? Do you kind of see that? Oh my God. Yeah. We're, we're, we're on a podcast here, but you see me shaking my head. I'm shaking my head really hard in the affirmative. (laughs) Well, it's important that Harish is shaking his head too. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is a challenge sometimes. It definitely is. Of course. Any relationships a challenge. And when you're entwined that much, that's okay. So you guys, you've got your portfolio. Do you guys self-manage your properties or do you have outside management? No, we're totally hands off in that we've got a property management thing going with every um, every project. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just because we have busy lives enough right. with our full-time jobs and with our- Plus, you're, you're mani- so. you've got properties at a distance as well. You guys are That's right. in Ontario, and, uh, but you've got some properties in Alberta as well. Yeah, right? the majority of our properties are in the uh, Edmonton area, actually. Okay. So really not <laughs> conducive to hands-on management. So Fair no, enough. it's really just having good um, property managers in place. And some of the projects we have are joint ventures. We have project managers for the venture itself. Yeah. And then property managers who look at the um, actual um, brick and mortar uh, for us. So yeah, it's, uh, we, we believe in delegating as much as possible because the goal of this is not to have a second job. It's to have some sort of passive income and mm-hmm. um, growth, really. Mm-hmm. So. so where does the private lending fit into your whole business model and how did that come about? So that came about because over um, the period of time that everyone was stuck at home um, during the COVID pandemic, yeah, uh, we paid off the mortgage on our first home and we were like, okay, now we have some cash flow, but then the kids um, weren't being able to use um, some of the, the cash that came in for their activities or stuff of that sort. So, so we you weren't like, shell it out. You weren't shell it out as usual. On the kitty activity. Well, there's a benefit to COVID, right? That's right. But then we saw, okay, we have to think ahead. And at some point, this pandemic is going to go away, uh, which means that all of this is going to come back and more because our younger one is growing older and she'd be getting into activities soon as well. So we were like, okay. So we went and talked to our mentor again, Brock there. And he, he is very, very active in the private lending space. 
so we were like, oh, okay, this is a, a great opportunity. And then we talked to a couple of other friends. Um, we worked with someone out in Alberta as well. Um, and we we decided to just take the plunge. I mean, a lot of this comes down to really the fear factor, right? Like we yeah. were very, very afraid. You're, you're lending out thousands of dollars to someone you've never met before uh, in a syndicated mortgage. We had all sorts of doomsday scenarios in our heads. You know, we're going to blow this money. It's all going to go away. And, you know, what we've worked for so we'll, far. We'll have another mortgage again, right? So exactly. <laughs> so we were just like, oh, we were so afraid to take the leap into the unknown. But then you know, we we talked to our mentor and he kind of held our hand and walked us through it. And, and we took we took the plunge, really. It was both of us holding on to each other, eyes closed, and we took the plunge. And the first one was really a lot of back and forth, actually. There were a few that came and we were like, you could never decide. Should we yeah. do it? Should we not? So, sounds Just like the beginning afraid. of your real estate investing career. Yeah. It, should we do it? Should we not? Yeah, I, I get it. Right. It's it was it was nerve wracking, all of it. Um, but then we decided to go for it, and, yep. and it worked out. And then so, what are you typically investing in, and what kind of what what kind of dollar amounts are we talking about? What what is your typical? Because there's all sorts of different ways that we can do private lending. Mm -hmm. What do you typically loan money to? So it really depends on the project and it depends on the person. And more importantly, it depends on the location. So the first couple of ones that we did were more syndicated where we had like four or five people pooling their money. And then we gave it off to someone who was looking to flip a property or, you know, upgrade their property, do some big rentals, put in a secondary dwelling unit in the basement, those kind of things. Nowadays, so, so sorry. And who was organizing this this pool? Was was it somebody oh, else it, or you guys? Uh, no, it wasn't us. So the first initial ones that we did was uh, Sean Claremont out in Alberta, yeah. and he was uh, sort of the guy who you know really really he was organizing got us it. into it and organized it. Um, once that got done, uh, now what we've done currently um, as our business model is that we've teamed up uh, with Brock, who's our mentor, but yeah. who's also a really super duper uh, mortgage agent in Canada, and he has his own MIC. So what we do... So what, for people that aren't familiar, what does that mean, MIC? So that's a mortgage investment corporation, um, which basically means that they're licensed in the um, province of Ontario to, uh, you know, administer um, mortgages, really. Right. So right now, the the model is essentially, uh, we kind of do a, a matching role. Um, and also act as lenders. So if there are people who would like to borrow money for whatever reason, you know, they want to do a reno, they want to get a down payment for a new rental property, uh, spousal buyouts, whatever have you, um, those projects come into us and um, basically Brock's company administers them and we bring the clients and match them to the lenders. Mm -hmm. So, so, you, so um, you're finding borrowers. And you and guys lenders and, and you guys are lenders and and also you've got your money pooled with other people within this mix. Correct. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's how it works. And um, you know, at, at, after a point, it's simple. You have some very stringent parameters that you're looking at. Um, you you vet the clients, and uh, yeah, it ends up uh, working that way. Really, it, it's addictive after a while. To be honest, um, actually, it's addictive. It got addicted right after the first one. And why is that? Harish? We saw what, the money what, coming what in. We're like, okay, all right. One year done. Now, what do we do with the money? Okay, let's do it again. You got to recycle it, right? You got to yep, keep and, that money and, working for it. That just kept going on. So, and what see, kind of what kind of uh, interest rates are are kind of the norm in this kind of lending environment? For well, anything investors? between eight to twelve, thereabouts in that range. Sometimes a little bit higher. Okay, and usually secured on on the property somehow. Always secured on the property somehow. Via second mortgage, what? Usually exactly. a second mortgage, sometimes a first mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, the idea is to make sure that it's not prohibitive either for the lender or for the borrower, because the idea is to help both parties, one of them make a passive income, one of them use the money for whatever. So mm -hmm. um, the idea is not to gouge people or to make them uncomfortable with untenable interest rates. Um, we generally keep it between the 8 to 12 range, as Harish just said, um, and we want to make sure it's a win-win for both parties. And if we are not comfortable with it, we don't even bring it up to either party. Yeah. We have to feel comfortable about it. Yeah. So, okay. So in this, I'm I'm interested in this whole private lending side of things because kind of kind of unique for for the conversation here. So you you've got two, you've got three roles really. You guys are investors within this. So you've got however much of your home equity money in this mic that's getting loaned out at different projects, different rates, all that kind of stuff. So that's great. Then you've also kind of become your own private lending company in that you're you're proactively attracting borrowers, so real estate investors or, or what have you who need capital to do that renovation or for that down payment or that flip or whatever it is, right? So you're you're finding some of these people. And then it sounds like you're also finding other private lenders to bring into the fold. Is, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Well, that's, that's very cool. So how do you guys get compensated for all of this? I understand the side of you being the private lenders making interest on your money, but is there some sort of fees or points or something like that, that, that you're able to bring? Yes. Yeah, so bring in, we, yeah. we're very transparent and honest with whoever comes into the projects with us um, yeah. on the private lending project. Um, essentially, if we're bringing a borrower into um, into the project, there is a certain project fee uh, that we uh, consider, yeah. uh, and that's kind of a, a percentage of the borrowing amount right up yeah. front. Um, and that's um, that's for the borrowers, uh, for lenders who might be coming into the projects as well. There's also a certain percentage. Uh, that we consider. We start out with an X amount of percentage. And then if people are interested in repeating the experience and they see that things are going well, uh, we then sort of have a, I guess, a loyalty program where yeah, a, a lesser scale. percentage yeah. uh, on the next deal and then the deal after. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, it's and it's fair. I mean, everybody's got to be compensated for the value that they bring to the table. And you guys bring a lot of value to the table by finding borrowers for this mic, because without 
putting that money out, nobody's making interest on their money. So, I mean, that's, that's, right. exactly. that's a huge part of the whole thing is get that money going and keep it, keep it moving. Otherwise it stagnates and nothing happens. And on the other hand, um, it also needs to, the, the more borrowers you bring, the more investors you need to provide the capital for them to borrow. So it's, it, it makes a lot of sense that way, you guys. Now, just out of a curiosity side of things, so you're working with your mentor, who's also a mortgage broker. Did you guys have to get your mortgage licenses or anything like that to get going with this? Or how does that work? So we are sort of, we we don't have uh, any licensing requirements because we are not the one who touched the money mm-hmm. or handle it in any shape or form. Everything happens through the lawyers. Uh, we don't see a cent of the money and uh, everything is directed uh, to our mentors uh, program. Mm-hmm. And he's a licensed mortgage broker. He, as I mentioned, owns the MIC that administers the entire project. So it's really just it's it's almost like marketing fees then, right? Exactly. That that, that would be the That's way right. it is. Exactly. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because the whole thing of going and getting your mortgage license and, and doing all of that stuff, that that's a pain in the butt. And you guys are busy and yeah, it's not that appealing. Interesting stuff, you guys. All right, cool. So what are your plans for the next year or two? Where do you see your yourselves taking your um your investment business? Well, keep building on what we already have. Yeah. Try and find more opportunities for us. Which ones? Like in the actual purchase side of things or in the lending side of things or all of that? All of it. (laughs) All of it. I mean, on the the rental um, part, like our business, Kivera, is kind of involved in long-term single family homes. And we've done duplexes as buy and holds. Uh, our long-term strategy is to try and build on that and then get into sort of smaller multifamilies, six units, 12 units, and kind of get to that. And I mean, who knows, we might be the next Minto if we owned like a couple of thousand buildings and apartments. I mean, it's pie in the sky at this point, but you know, we, I, I think we have the drive to take uh, take it where it needs to go and as far as it needs to go. So yeah, in the long-term multiplexes is what we're looking at. Um, and Harish is working on the uh, private financing part of things as well. Um, so yeah. yeah when we first started, awesome. it's like, we, we didn't think of any of these things. Now we've got it moving. We're going to just keep moving. Yeah. You got some traction. You're ready to kind of really kick it up. So what do you see being some of the um, the obstacles you might be facing towards working towards these plans? What what are some of the hiccups so, along the way? I think our biggest challenge at this part is uh, raising capital, really, with investors in the face of all this doom and gloom in the media about real estate. And, um, you know, it's it's the rise in interest rates, home prices in Canada, things are way harder than they used to be, you know, even five or six years ago. And we know because we started out when things started to, you know, take off. Um, And we just wanted to sort of let others like us, other Canadians really just know that even if you're in a nine to five job, you have an eroding uh, purchase power and, you know, that the future for your kids is going to be more difficult uh, than than it was for us. Well, you know, there's still there's still a way. Things are harder than they used to be, and it's challenging at this point to convince people that you know the sky is not going to fall on our heads tomorrow with real estate, and that 
over time has been proven to be one of the more stable ways of, you know. Well, I, I think you're, pre you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> Everybody who listens to this podcast exactly. is right so, into real estate investing. So, so raising, so what I'm hearing the challenge is and, and might be for the next little while with the way prices are, the way interest rates are is, you know, and the way the news covers everything is the average person is kind of scared to invest in real estate. So do you see that being more of an impact on the private lending side of things or on the building your portfolio side of things? Because again, I guess you're raising capital for that as well. So is it kind of- both? Honestly, the problem is a lot of people are under the impression that they need millions to get into the real estate market. Mm. And you don't really need that much. And that's one of those reasons why we took so long to get started too. Everyone thinks, oh, I don't have the money to, you know, go buy a property. You don't need all that money. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I would think if I were you guys, I would focus a lot on the on the private lending side of things. Because again, people can probably get into that for a much lower minimum investment than to joint venture with you to do a, a multifamily property, right? So, I mean, maybe with 20 or 30 or 40 grand, they can get into the the mic, but here's the thing: you get them going with that, you get that relationship, you get that proof of concept. They start seeing those returns, right? And then they're they understand that hey, real estate works. And then when you've got a bigger deal, you can instead of getting their money going into the mic, perhaps you can access more of their home equity or what have you to jump in with a hundred grand or one hundred fifty grand or two hundred grand for your bigger deal. So I think you've got a really good. Well, well that's true system. because everyone is usually interested in talking about the private lending part of things. Yeah. There's a smaller amount you're seeing returns coming in every month based on whatever interest. And it, it's more appealing. Whereas the multifamily, you know, uh, buying and holding it's you don't see it immediately. Right. So the then private again, lending that, that gets a good starting point, point for most people. You have to, you, I guess we have to educate people and show them the difference between cash on cash return versus the big picture, especially with a multifamily long-term buy and hold, where you can have eight different ways that you and your, your partners profit from a deal, but you know, only really one of them is the cash on cash return Correct. that they're going to see in their exactly. backyard. Exactly so. that. And just speaking of raising capital, I mean, uh, Dave, we attended your single day workshop uh, that you held earlier this uh, year in the spring. And I just wanted to let you know that we've been using so many of the concepts that you have taught us. And, you know, to be honest, it's helped us raise close to like 500 or 600 K wow. at this point. Um, and we've only been doing it like three months. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'm so grateful um, that we took that workshop with you that, you know, all the intensive, uh, get every, you know, bit of information that you can, and, and we were able to apply it so successfully. And I'm really grateful to you for being able to, to show us the way to do that. Well, thank there, you there's one, one thing I do want to add, though. Yeah. Uh, one of the other challenges that comes with the raising capital part is you talk to a person, you explain everything, getting that commitment from them is, you know, it's like closing the part, closing the deal kind of a thing, which yeah. I picked up from your workshop is when you get them to sign that uh, expression of interest, that really did the job. That really got things going. It just made everything easier, made everyone comfortable, 
And that really pushed things ahead. So really, thank you for that. You are so welcome, you guys. Thanks for letting me know. And uh, it, it sounds like I, I should raise the ticket price. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth every penny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah. Well, you guys know that is fantastic. Well, thank you very much for sharing your experience and and what you've been doing and how you've been taking massive action. I love it. Keep on doing what you're doing. And if uh, if people want to connect with you, I know there's all sorts of different ways they can do that, but what would be the number one place for people to connect with you? What's the easiest way? Uh, probably on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, they're very active there. And you would just look for Qvera, which is Q-U-V-E-R-A or um, Qvera underscore R-E-C. So that's Real Estate Corporation, Qvera underscore R-E-C. Um, either of those on Instagram or Facebook. And we also have a uh, handy dandy website coming up really soon at www.qvera.ca. And we're really excited to launch it, hopefully as soon as the end of this month. <laughs> there you go. Awesome, you guys. Keep up the good work and uh, great reconnecting with you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Dave. All right, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.